is lead and believe. I believe, Benny. Now can you help me lead? Oh, boy, Brad. Here we go again. Absolutely. This is a podcast for leaders who want to build a world-class culture. I'm Brad Gustafson. And I'm Ben Gilpin. Uh, we are back, my friend, my friend. We are back, Brad. How you been? It is so great to reconnect, Ben. Things are really great, and we got a snowstorm moving through the state, so tis the season. Oh, it is. It's that time of year where um, we all have to slow down on the roads, too. I know um, what's happening your way out in Minnesota is going to be coming to Michigan in just a matter of time. So that's just the way the way the winter works, right? We like to share, my friend. We like to share. Speaking of storm, <laughs> this is in the biz. This is called a transition. Let's see how I do here. Speaking of storm, <laughs> we have a leadership storm coming at us in the form of a courageous front. You see what I did there, Ben? You want to introduce our guest today? Absolutely. <laughs> so we have with us, we have Karen Hurt and David Dye. Karen and David are the founders of Let's Grow Leaders. And as everyone knows, Lead and Believe is all about leadership. It's all about helping people be the very best leaders that they can be. And we are specifically going to dive into not only how they kind of envision and help leaders grow, but also they've got a book out and that book is is, uh, titled Courageous Cultures. And so I know we're going to dive into that as well. So without any further ado, welcome to Karen and David. Thank you so much for having us. Pleasure. So great to connect. So burning question here before we get into even the introduction. What's the difference between a courageous culture, like like a, a distinguishing difference between a courageous culture and a non-courageous culture? So our favorite definition of culture comes from the marketing guru, Seth Godin. And he says, mm-hmm. culture is simply people like us do things like this. So in a courageous culture, people like us speak up. They share ideas. They come to work every day and saying, how can we make this better? And you don't have those toxic courage crushers that uh, drain the psychological safety from an organization. I heard two things there. Can you elaborate on toxic courage crushers that drain? I forget exactly what you said, Karen, but (laughs) tell us what that looks like, sounds like, and feels like. Just so, because I would assume most people are like, that's not me. I don't do that, but maybe we do sometimes. I don't know. Yeah. So the big three that we found in our research were shame, blame, and intimidation. Mm. And so, you know, if somebody is speaking up and they're sharing an idea and you immediately cut them off and say, you know, that's a dumb idea. Or last time we did this, you, you know, it, you know, it's just as a disaster. You're not really that smart. Like, and in our interviews, we heard so many examples of these terrible things that leaders were doing. And if it takes courage for people just to show up at work because they're faced with some of that, there's no way you're going to have innovation. Right. Because your energy could and should probably be invested in so many different places rather than mustering up the courage just to just to show up. Yeah. Karen and David, do you, because you work, I mean, first off, the foundation of the, the company is Let's Grow Leaders. As you work with leaders, do you simply see a leadership gap? Do you see a, a, a difference in, in in leaders? And and I'm not even talking about generational. I'm just saying people that you work with. You do you see the different ways they run companies or run or run their organizations? We do. And you know what's interesting? And one of the things that sparked the research that led to this book was observations we were making as we're working with clients and and organizations, companies around the world. 
And we would see oftentimes executives and senior leaders who really did want ideas and innovations and solutions from throughout the organization. Then we talked to people on the front lines who would say, oh yeah, no one wants to hear what I've got to say. They don't, they're not interested in my ideas. They're stuck in their ways of thinking. And so we're walking around going, wait a minute, are you folks working in the same organization? And so that's why we partnered with the University of Northern Colorado to do the research, to find out uh, what are the ideas, innovation solutions that people have and what's getting in the way of those being contributed to produce a, a positive effect for the organization, for their customers. And so that's what sparked the research. So that's one gap that we saw was within organizations, often a gap between what senior leaders wanted and what frontline people were feeling was the case. And then, yes, Ben, of course, there are definitely differences that we see between leaders. What, what is getting in the way, David and Karen, from you know, bridging that gap? Yeah, so it's interesting. So we asked people, what kinds of ideas were they holding back? They told us, "Do you, are we holding back their ideas? It was interesting. It wasn't trivial ideas. It wasn't like, oh, I wish I had kombucha in the break room or virtual Taco Tuesdays. So they said they were holding back ideas that would improve the customer experience, the employee experience, or productivity in a process. So important ideas that they deliberately were withdrawing. And then we asked, well, why are you holding back these ideas? And that was really interesting as well. Uh, 40% said they lack the confidence to share their ideas. 49% said they're not regularly asked for their ideas. 50% said nothing would ever happen anyway, so why bother contributing? And 67% said my manager operates around the notion of this is the way we've always done it. And a really uh, shocking one was uh, that 56% said the reason they're not sharing ideas is because they're, they're afraid that they won't get the credit. And then if you look at, uh, well, by the way, now I, I really want some tacos. I'm just saying. So. <laughs> <laughs> Virtual Taco Tuesday sounded pretty good right now. But uh, Dr. Amy Edmondson, who's a pioneer in psychological safety, wrote The Fearless Organization and the forward to Courageous Cultures uh, for us talks about a couple other things that get in the way of people sharing those ideas. And one is that past experiences. And this is, as you're listening right now, you're thinking, oh, I, no, I, I want ideas. I'm asking, that's good. People hang on to negative experiences, even if it wasn't with you. And that's one of the obstacles we have to overcome as we're building this kind of culture. And then the second thing is that people discount the positive impact that their ideas and contributions could have. And so those internal psychological factors also prevent people from speaking up no matter where you're starting from, where your heart is as a leader. So we have to be really intentional about our leadership to overcome those things. David, I would guess most of us have been you know, hurt or burned in some way, big or small, in our professional career. And also, for being honest, we may have unknowingly or who knows, maybe even knowingly hurt or burned others. And that would... We don't want to do that. We might not even be aware we've done that, yet they might be holding on to it, similar to what you just shared. How does a leader approach that or confront those blind spots and the, the harm maybe that they've done that they might not even be aware of, or maybe they are aware of? How do we heal? How do we get courageous? 
Well, it starts with, and we lay out uh, a series of steps in the book to take to, to build this culture, but it starts with navigating your own narrative around courage and tapping into your own moments of courage. We all have them in our career. And if we can go back and say, hey, when was I courageous? And remember what that feels like and, I, and tap into that, ground ourselves in that to then have the vulnerability to have the conversations we need to have. And where those conversations can come from is one element is, that we talk about, one tool that is very practical is asking what we call a courageous question. It's specific and it's vulnerable. It's specific, very narrowly focused. What's one thing that I can do to improve the efficiency or effectiveness of our team meetings? And I'm asking people that. Well, initially, I might not get responses from everybody. And if there's a pattern of that, I'm regularly not getting that input from someone. Odds are there's either baggage or history for them or between us. And to just be honest about that. Hey, I've noticed this is happening and, and that you aren't really uh, answering or sharing your thoughts here. And I, I got to believe you have some. Um, is there anything that I have done that's getting in the way of that? Or is there anything in the past that's happened that's getting in the way of that? And let's talk about it. I'm in pure learning mode here. So I noticed, I heard you say something about a specific regarding team meetings. So it felt a little more specific than just saying, What's one thing I can do better as a leader? And I just want to name that. Is that true? It really is helpful to get uber specific. 100%. So we say the difference between a courageous question and just a how can I do better question is, is a couple of things. One, it's specific. It's very specific. We have found, and we've been using these tools uh, for years now, and we're finding the more specific that you can get, the easier it is to answer. So hmm. what is one way we could improve the productivity of this process? And then somebody says one way, and then you're like, thank you. Is there anything else? Because now you've, you know, you've reduced the headwinds and you've made it easy to, to answer the question and you've started the conversation. Uh, one of our favorite courageous questions that we talk about in the book comes uh, from a friend of ours, Don Yeager, who is the CEO of a call center company. And he has been asking this question for a decade of his frontline agents on the phone. What is one of our policies that just sucks, right? Now, I mean, it's the way he's saying it is makes you chuckle, right? But, you know, he's the COO. So now he certainly knows what the policies are. He may or may not be able to change them. But if, he, if the frontline thinks these are bad policies, then at least he either needs to be explaining it to them so they're not on the phone saying, yeah, I agree with you. This is a terrible policy, right? So that they can explain it better. Or perhaps there is something he can do to change the policy. And I think the specificity of those questions is really what's making it work that so effective for him. Okay, so my question, and I'm hearing all this about the, the courage, there are times, quite frankly, with me, that I feel as though, as a leader, hmm, my confidence is pretty good, and I, I'm very willing to put myself out there. I feel safe enough, whether it's through a survey to staff or, or to, to the people in the organization, or asking those very specific questions, opening myself up and being vulnerable to any and all feedback. There are also times I feel a little a little less confident and any type of feedback seems to seems to really sting. I can't imagine I'm alone in that. How would you how would you coach a leader through some of those ups and downs of leadership to have that courage on a day-to-day -day basis when sometimes it stings? 
You know, well, first, I appreciate, Ben, appreciate you bringing that up. I certainly have been there. I'm still there some days and uh, as a leader, and I think that's just human nature. One of the ways that we can equip ourselves and our teams to share ideas that makes it far less likely we're going to get any negative feedback, because we may get a no, but we're still going to be taken seriously and seen as a contributor is what we call the idea model. And these are four criteria that you can use to vet an idea that you're going to share. So I stands for interesting. Is it strategically relevant? Or rather, how is it strategically relevant? Why is this a good idea for the business, for the school, for the the company, for the city council, whoever it is that we're talking to? Strategically, what are they trying to do? And how does this idea help that to happen? That's I, interesting. D, doable. Is this something we have agency over? Can we actually take action? If I can demonstrate that, makes it easier to do. E is for engaging. Who are the other folks who are either going to be resistant or need to be on board? And have I thought about what's going to do that for them? Can I have, the, have I had those conversations? And can I share that in my presentation of the idea? And then finally, A is actions. One of the mistakes we see people make all the time is they'll have a concept, an idea, but they don't make it actionable. So what are the next one or two practical things that either you or I can do to take action on this idea? What are those next steps? Makes it much easier to get a yes. And even if it's a no, you're seen as somebody who's thinking strategically and contributing productively. Yeah. And then, you know, to answer your question about like, what if you're just not feeling it? You know, I I think that you don't have to be asking for feedback every single day. If you're having one of these days and you know you're not going to respond well, this is going to derail your confidence. That's not the day to ask. Wait till you got a good night's sleep and ask tomorrow. I really do think that that it is true. I know that, you know, there, there's times when, you know, things seem to go really, really well. One thing is piling on the other and that's great. And then, of course, there's the times that like this doesn't happen and you lose a client and that that goes bad. And, you know... I always say, you know, you want to surround yourself with a a network of people that you can go to and pull in at different times. And so, you know, if I'm having one of those really down days, I know I have some friends that I can call and say, hey, tell me why I'm wonderful. But, you know, but then, you know, also when you are feeling more confident, those are the times that you do want to show up and be consistently asking for feedback because that's how you improve. And one of the things that I always, uh, David and I always always ask groups of leaders that we're working with is, if you knew somebody really cared about you and your success, would you want them to tell you the truth, you know, their truth as they see it? And 100% of the time that we ask that question, 100% of the people in the room or in the Zoom tell us yes. And so, you know, if you're lacking the confidence to be the one to give feedback, I I encourage you to think about that because so does that person that you're trying to help. If you really have their best interest at heart, you are serving them by telling them the truth. That's really powerful, Karen. I love that. And that makes me think of a lot of our work in creating a courageous culture might be in establishing the groundwork where people authentically experience our desire to have them succeed, similar to what you said, and vice versa, that we're meeting them on a plane where we can develop the trust to to feel the same way about them. David, when you said earlier your the acronym, when you talked about is it interesting, I connected back to what Karen said, uh, the C, CEO or COO who asked, does this policy or what policies stink? Uh-huh. Like that was an immediate eye litmus test because if it's something that someone identified as a pain point 
it's immediately has relevance and it should be interesting to them if that's a, a cause that you want to help lead or, or champion. So just a little connecting the dots here for Benny. I know he's taking notes. <laughs> honestly, honestly, I am. I am taking notes. <laughs> the funny thing about the idea model is that we were doing a, a global leadership uh, workshop earlier this morning and, uh, the people were singing IDEA like to the song YMCA. That's how much they like that model. <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. Okay. So as you two are working with all sorts of different leaders, I guess the question I really have is a person that's an aspiring leader right now, and there's probably tons of them out there. What piece of advice would you give an aspiring leader versus a piece of advice that you might give someone that is a veteran leader that's been doing it for years. How do you treat people differently in that leadership conundrum? Well, you know, the first thing, like, we do work at both ends of that spectrum, uh, pretty significant work both ends of that spectrum. And, you know, one of the things, and we talk about this in Courageous Cultures, is, you you know, the Courageous Cultures is more, is that sophisticated leadership stuff. Right. And so if you do not know how to create clarity about what's the most important thing our team is working on, if you do not know how to have a performance feedback conversation, uh, to do an effective one on one, to run an effective meeting that people that gets results that people want to attend, start there. Right. Because, uh, yes, the psychological safety is important and, and getting the best ideas of every team member is important. But what will build your team's confidence in you? Is, is performance, is that they're working for a, a winning team. And so I would start by what is it that you really matters most for whatever team you're accomplishing? Is it educating Is it educating children? What does success look like for that? Is it, is it running a sales team? What does success look like for? And how, what are the key behaviors that this team needs to be doing? And how are you equipping and helping them to get that? That's really where I would start. And then, um, and then for a more seasoned leader, the thing that I would say is, do you have an open mind that there are some additional ways to, to lead that you may have not used fully in the past? And um, one of the things that we start in uh, our programs with is an acronym called SASRONT, and it stands for so-and-so really needs this. And because we guarantee that in some, you'll be sitting in our training program and you'll be like, ah, you know who needs this? My wife, <laughs> you know, and, you know, it may be that your wife could really use the idea model or how to own the ugly or how to have an inspired conversation. But if you, you have so much more credibility, if you're doing it first, you're practicing it first and they can say, oh, is that that thing you're doing? That really does work. Right. And so I think that's that's part of it. Uh, David, what would you add to that? Yeah. The other thing I'd add on the senior leader side of the spectrum, your experienced leader, you're saying, yes, I want a courageous culture. I want to build it. Uh, We encourage you don't make an announcement that I want a courageous culture. Rather, we call it start where you aren't. And there is a dance in building a courageous culture between clarity and curiosity. And odds are your organization falls, it either has more clarity to it or it has more curiosity to it. Whichever one it has naturally, great. Keep using that. Start investing in the other side. If it needs more clarity or if it needs more curiosity, whichever one of those it needs, start there and start building that work with your immediate team and let it coalesce and filter through the organization. David, that makes a lot of sense. Is there a time then where the announcement is okay to make after you've been there for a certain amount of time? Or 
Yeah, it's when uh, when you buy a copy of our book for everybody and distribute it and say, hey, look at us. <laughs> I, I, I'm teasing. Karen will have a more erudite answer than that. Uh, no, but it is, it is interesting because I think, it, you know, what we are working with a Nestle in Switzerland and uh, we have been working with them for, gosh, about 14 months now. And they have been so deliberate in building what we would call courageous culture, but they're calling it a care and dare culture. And they have four values and behaviors associated with caring and four values and behaviors associated with daring. And they have made a very deliberate announcement. These are the values. And then they had us design a courageous cultures training around those four care and four dare behaviors. And I think in that way, because they've been so methodical about it, we work with them on how are they onboarding? What are they recruiting? What is their rewards and recognition systems? How are we going to refine their performance management system? All of that is aligned. And And then we're mapping it. So what does it really mean to have empathy at a behavioral level? What does that mean? How does that mean we show up in our one-on-ones? And they all have this common vocabulary. And I would say that is really, really powerful. And you will hear now they have the language and you will hear someone say, may I be daring? You know, and basically they're saying, may I say no to this or may I question this? You know, I would like to be a little, what risk-taking is more one of theirs. Should we be more risk-taking in this moment? The reason that I think that's such a powerful expression uh, and and answers your question, Brad, is because when are you going to make that announcement? When you're willing to do that level of work, because anything less than that, you're going to be under scrutiny. Do they really mean it? And even with that level of work, you're still going to have leaders who are at different places in their own evolution and progression. And so they're going to get called out. Hey, that wasn't Karen Dare. Well, now do we mean it? That's not a courageous cultures. Now do we mean it? What are we going to do with that conversation? And are we doing the other things to go with it? When we're prepared to do that, then we're ready. And David, you know, I mean, you were kind of tongue in cheek and say, buy a copy of the book and read it together. But we do have a lot of clients who are buying the copy of the book and reading it together. And through the back and the, we have an executive strategy guide that's free that goes with it. And it has exercises. So in this case, you are saying, yes, as a team, we're trying to build this courageous culture. Let's define what that looks like for us. How are we going to, and you just follow the guide, right? And it doesn't mean it's going to be perfect. But in that case, you really are announcing it because you're working on it collaboratively. I'm sold and blown away and listening. There's so powerful, Karen and David, the difference between saying we're going to do something and giving people the tangible tools, not just modeling, but giving them tangible tools, like language, shared language and a through line, like conversations, what empathy looks like at the hiring level, at yeah. the one-on-one meeting level, at the staff faculty meeting level. It's just fascinating to think about. And and also it's a little bit humbling, a lot humbling, because I'm just thinking about all the areas and complexities of leadership where I could do a better job at this. And certainly Ben too, but that goes for the same. That is spot on. Well, Brad, you could, you could put Karen and I in that list as well. We're all in process. Yeah. You know, one of the things, too, is that, you know, it's, you know, don't, I think sometimes it can be intimidating to say, are we going to build a courageous culture? Uh, That seems like a lot of work. So, but what is it, you know, what are you really trying to do? And one of the things that we've been doing with a number of organizations is taking a a handful of the courageous cultures tools, which we call our idea incubator process, 
and taking some strategic initiatives, a place that they really want a great, great idea, something they haven't completely figured out, right? A strategic initiative of some sort. You know, maybe it's how are we going to retain talent? That's a big one for for several organizations right now. And so we say, you know, with regard to retaining talent, and then we have a process that you go through. The first is we have a series of questions called own the ugly. You, what are we underestimating? Gee, what's got to go? L, where are we losing? Why, where are we missing the S? And so you ideate on that. Now you're going to have more ways you could solve this problem than you could ever accomplish. Then you say, okay, how can we? And you start to brainstorm. And then you use the idea method that David outlined earlier to really find and vet an idea. And what we're finding is that process, which by the way, you don't necessarily need an external facilitator for, uh, you can just use that on your team. It's amazing. Uh, we were just with a, a, a team this week who said, you know what? We pulled out the idea. We were really stuck and we pulled out the idea model. And guess what? The people on the factory fo- floor figured out this solution that to this really big problem. And it's because they were asked and it was because they're the ones that knew the machines and how they could be jerry-rigged to fix the supply chain issue that was going on. It was really interesting. Beautiful. Brad Gustafson, lead or believe, my friend? Benny, in full transparency, I need you to go first because my I'm just swimming in excitement and learning and getting into this. So where what do you want to tackle today, lead or believe? I'm going to tackle lead. Okay. And, and there's so many things. I feel like I could have gone either way, but I'm going to go lead simply that feedback, that feedback piece to me is so critical. I know that um, David and Karen talked about that. They also shared, you know, people lacking confidence. Why bother? And I know when Karen had mentioned that, why bother? That to me, trying to get feedback from the employee experience, from the customer experience, getting that feedback will then direct what is one thing we can improve on. What And getting the voices of all the people to me is really critical so that they all feel that they have a stake in, in the organization, in the process. Um, so to me, lead is, is having that conversation and seeking feedback. What do you say? Yeah, so by, by default, I'll take the believe. And I, I guess I'll piggyback off you, Ben. I believe that if we create a culture where just honest, reciprocal conversation can happen, feedback doesn't have to be a formal survey or tool or even potentially question. If people are equipped with the language and some of it we talked about here today, feedback almost can be continuous and sometimes just body language, but just on it. I don't know. I look forward to continuing to invest in that and trying to create that with our team and like David said, it's probably a never-ending journey, but boy, is it rewarding when sometimes you dip into it and you notice it happening just because of how people have contributed. Karen, David, you want to take us home, kind of the grand finale shot here? Well, you know, the one thing that I would say is if this feels overwhelming, you know, just think about what is one area where you really need a great idea and just go and be very clear about that with your team. Hey, you know what? I really could use some ideas about this. And then just ask a courageous question or two, like what's one way we could do this, insert that thing, better. And, uh, you know, the other thing that uh, we always say is, you know, be the courageous leader you want your boss to be. If you're working in an environment that doesn't feel particularly courageous, think about your sphere of influence and what is it that you can do and how can you help to encourage more courage? 
Well, this has been fantastic. Um, thank you, David. Thank you, Karen. Uh, people, as you listen to this episode, uh, a couple of things I'd like you to, to check out. First off, letsgrowleaders.com. Um, check out this website. This is this is great. You've got services, keynotes, books. You've, they've got their latest one, Courageous Cultures. Karen and David are, are just a, a plethora of, of great resources for all leadership. And I would definitely point you to that website. They've got some free resources on there, easy to contact, and great people to talk to and help you grow your leadership. And we also want you to use the hashtag lead and believe and give us your thoughts on the episode. What are ways that you hope to continue to grow as a leader. Brad, what do you got? I'm excited, Benny. Can't wait to check out the hashtag. David and Karen, thank you so much. This will be one of those episodes I go back and listen to multiple times. I'm quite sure of it. So thank you so much. Oh, it's been our pleasure. So appreciate it. Thanks, you too. Creating a world-class culture requires intention and optimism. And sometimes it's the small steps a leader takes that matter the most. We hope today's conversation helps you move hearts and mountains as you lean and believe.